The first step, you see? This reality choice is the first step. And we're not the only ones saying that this is the first step. If you're familiar with, with uh, recovery groups at all, AA, NA, if, you're, if, you're, if you've been a part of one of them or you know someone who's been a part of them, these are the same steps that, that they began. In fact, AA began in the early 20th century, in the 1908, I believe it was. It began as a, the work of a Lutheran pastor who started that whole thing. After he had experienced the Holy Spirit at a, at a place at a convention, at a conference in England called the Keswick Convention, a Holy Spirit-inspired convention, he was, he was moved by God in such a way to start this thing called the Oxford Group. And eventually, that got, a hold, got taken up by some psychiatrists or psychoanalysts or whatever, and it became AA. The, the same steps, the same things that he started based on these same scriptures that we've been studying, the Beatitudes of Jesus. All were the foundation from the very beginning of what AA is today. And so you will hear a lot of common language from what we're going through in these, these messages and what you might have experienced in AA, except there's a major difference that we're going to talk about today. The choice number one is getting real with God, that I'm not God, but there's hope. There's hope, and that hope is the second choice. The choice that earnest, to earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to Him, and that He has the power to change me. Here I choose to believe in God is the real and, and the really powerful. Not only can He create, but He can recreate. The God can help me change my life, my hurts, habits, and hang-ups. He can change those in me because He's the God of creation. I'm not trapped. There's hope. And there's a, the hope is in God. That's where the hope belongs. And so today is the, probably the most important step. Today is the most important step of this whole thing as we're working through it. It's the commitment choice. The commitment choice to consciously choose to commit my life, all of my life, and will to Christ's care and control. To consciously choose that is an important step because we aren't talking about self-help. We're talking about making, making God a priority in our lives. Not about making yourself better. We understand that these hurts, habits, and hang-ups are spiritual issues. And to solve spiritual problems, we need a spiritual answer that starts with choosing to commit our lives to Christ. This is rooted in Jesus' teaching from his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which we've started these, these first 12 verses, we call them the, the Beatitudes. They're attitudes we're to be. Attitudes we are to have as followers of Jesus. Right? The things that he teaches. The first one, or the, the third one that we're in today is, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Now we think of meekness as, as weakness, right? And we think of weakness, meekness as timidity, right? Being timid, being scared, being afraid. That's what we think of it as, but that's really not it at all. This week I was working with some, some freshman football players at the school, and, and they really, they hadn't played football before, really not, not not at any real level. And so I'm, I'm teaching them some, I'm trying to teach them some skills, right? Some, some things where we're going through a drill and they are like afraid to, to hit each other, right? Because they, they, they've been told to be nice. And so I had to have a kind of a come to Jesus meeting with them that this is a violent game. That this is a game that's, that's physical. It's full contact. Like it's full contact. Like, like you can't play timid, right? Because you're going to get hurt. Because somebody's not playing timid, and you're not going to be prepared for that. 
Because it's a full contact sport. So, so you need to use all your energy, all your strength, all the time because somebody else is going to be. And if you don't want to get hurt, that's where injuries happen. If somebody's just kind of fooling around and somebody just comes barreling through like a bulldozer and they get hurt because they weren't prepared. Same thing. I said, you guys can't be, can't be afraid of getting hurt because that's when you get hurt, being timid. Safest way to play football is full speed. And I say the safest way to be a Christian, which is also a full contact sport, is full speed. Not to tiptoe, but to go full speed, to go all in. See, one understanding is true in the Bible. They use that word, the word that is palos, I believe is how you say it in Greek. That that does mean gentle or mild. That we understand is meek. But there's another word, another way of that is used in Scripture, and that's to describe an animal, a wild animal, that's being restrained by its trainer, a, a, a stallion under a, a bit and bridle, a police dog under the training of his handler, right? Powerful animal with all sorts of abilities that, that the animal doesn't really fully understand, but it's all kept under control by its handler, by its trainer by its owner that's the idea of meekness that that i want us to understand today that meekness is strength under control strength under control is passionate it matters meekness is determined determined it's not weakness for us is to have the power that god provides remember strength the choice number two was believing that god has the strength to help us change it's having that God's power at work in us, but under the direction of God is choice number three. It's having that power of God, but we're surrendering it back to God who it came from. In the Bible, there are multiple stories of weaknesses, of meekness, I'm sorry, of meekness. Meek, the first one that comes to my mind was, was Moses. You remember Moses? He led the Israelites through the desert to 40, day, or 40 years, right? He led them to call down water. He called down manna from heaven. He called down doves from the from the sky right all these things that moses did he was chosen by god to to set my people go free right you remember all the stories about moses well he married a non-israelite woman because god told him to right he went and found a wife in his in his families but but she was not an israelite and while they're wandering through the desert moses in numbers chapter 12 i believe it is moses gets into an argument with his uh with his brother aaron and his sister miriam they start, and, and those of you who have, you know, what, you've ever had in-law conversations, you know what this is like, right? They start, they start harassing him for his in-laws, right? They start telling you shouldn't have chosen that non-Israelite Cushite woman. You shouldn't have picked her. God's going to curse you for that. God's against you because you, right? All, all these problems, are, you're part of the problem too, Moses. Moses didn't say anything. Moses didn't say anything. In fact, in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek. I mean, they, they have just, they're blasting him for picking that woman. And then it says this, Moses was very meek, more than all the people on the face of the earth. He never responded. It never says when Moses told him to get out of my house. No, it never, like Moses said, if you ever talk about my wife again, he never said that. He didn't defend himself. He didn't say anything. What did happen in scripture is God showed up. God said, hey, uh, Aaron, Miriam, why don't you meet me outside? (laughs) 
Like, like I have a woodshed I need to take you to. Have you ever been taken to the woodshed? Right? Have you ever been taken to the woodshed by God? Amen. Some of you have, Denny. Yeah, he knows he has. <laughs> like, like, you know what that's like. That ain't a pleasurable place to go with God. And it wasn't for them either. God put them in their place. Literally put them in their place. Moses, though, didn't have to defend himself. He could rest in knowing that God was at work, that he was being faithful to God, and he, could, he didn't have to defend himself. He didn't have to labor. He didn't have to argue. Moses is a great example for meekness. Of thinking of himself, he thought of himself in, in reference to God, not to, in reference to his wife or his brother and sister. But probably the best example we have of meekness in Scripture is Jesus himself. He's the best example of meekness. Matter of fact, Peter, the disciple, he wrote this in 1 Peter 2. To this you recall, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. Leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When, he hurled, when they hurled insults, insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He entrusted himself to God. He said, I don't, I don't have to defend myself here. God's going to be my defender. God's going to be my champion. God, I'm working under the authority of God. What strength I have, I'm going to submit to him. And if he didn't tell me to do, respond, then I'm not responding. Jesus had the ultimate. He could have struck folks down from way far away. He could have called down fire from heaven. He could have done, he could have responded any way he wanted. But he didn't. You see, from the very beginning in the Gospel of John, you know, that Jesus was introduced in meekness. As a matter of fact, in John 1.29, the next day Jesus, John saw Jesus coming toward him and say, look. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. Now, there is nothing more meek than a lamb. Meekness is the exact example that Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God. The Bible says that Jesus had no desire to live out of his divine authority. He he didn't want to. He had chosen to set aside his divinity, right, and taken on humanity. He was human. He accepted his role as the Messiah who must die. And as a result of Jesus' meekness, he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The dove came upon him. I was reading a book this week uh, that that described that would the dove have rested on anything but a meek lamb of God? Like anything else would have scared the dove away. When you think of it really, like anything else, the dove would not have rested upon him when he was baptized. But the Holy Spirit came and rested upon Jesus and lived within him. And and the fruit of that, we know, love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what happens in our lives. Those are are all witnesses of meekness. You see that? Like, that's what meekness looks like. Patience. It's not weakness. It's kindness. Kindness. It's gentleness, strength under control, the control of God. We compare that to how Paul referred to living out of our own strength. What's the results of living out of our own, the fruit of living out of your strength and mine? It produces other things in our lives that Paul talked about in Galatians 5. He talked about these. Sexual immorality, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. 
That's what, that's what we can do, right? When we live out of our strength, that's what it produces in our lives. Things that, because as we've talked about in this, that make us out to, because we're God, right? When I'm living under my authority only, I can do whatever I want. If I'm in charge of me, I can do whatever I want because I'm God. But it's a stark contrast to what Jesus lived under the authority of God. Meekness is acknowledging God's holiness and his authority over our lives. That's what meekness is. It leads to a bold confidence, you see. When I live in, under the authority of the holiness of God, I, it produces in me bold confidence, both in who I am and whose I am. Who I am and whose I am. What I mean by that is, when I think of who I am, I mean, the fact of the matter is that standing up here in front of you today is one of the most selfish people you've ever met. I am. I mean, I, I'll freely admit it. I had a good friend, had a birthday yesterday. My wife went to clean our house down on Ken Island. And what did I do? Nothing. Because I didn't feel like it. I mean, you've never done that, right? <laughs> that's what I say. I'm, that's why I say I'm one of the most selfish people I know. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm a sinner who's afraid of being found out. I say hurtful things. I'm sarcastic when I ought not to be, when I ought to be compassionate. I'm sorry. I'm just going to keep telling the truth. <laughs> that, that's who I am. And I'm a child of God. And I'm a child of God because I believe in Jesus and what he taught. And that's what John said in 1 John 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. Loves, loves the Father, loves his children too. God loves me. I know that. I'm perfectly loved in all of my imperfections. I don't have to worry about that. Not because I'm great, but because he is. Not because I'm great. You're loved, not because you're great, but because God is. That's why. Knowing that, I know who I am. Whose I am as well. Deuteronomy 10, 17 in the message translation, this one sounds a little different. It's a, it's a familiar verse. God, your God, is the God of all gods. He's the master of all masters. A God immense and powerful and awesome. He doesn't play favorites and he takes no bribes. That's whose I am. That's whose I am. The God of all gods. That's who has authority over me. Meekness, you see, no, comes out of that. Knowing who you are and whose you are. Who you belong to. Not thinking of yourself more than you ought. The scripture says it. And this is the third commitment. It's choosing meekness. So I just want to go through this real quick. This, this actually, this choice, we're going to break it down phrase by phrase. It starts consciously. Consciously choose. That, that consciously means I'm, it's my decision. I'm making the choice. I, I know what this involves. I'm, but I'm deciding to. It's, it's your decision. It's your decision. No one can make this for you. Nobody can want this for you. We have, we have spouses in here who have been praying for their, their husbands for, for years, and they can't make that choice. We individually, some of you have been praying for your kids for years. You, you can't make the choice for them. We have to make the choice for ourselves, individually, personally. Each one of us have to consciously choose. Consciously. 
Choose to commit. To commit. And right next to that, I put over and over. And if, if, you, if you understand what I'm saying, you might put and over and over and over and over and over. Like daily. It's choosing to commit. Now, there was one time where, where I was not a child of God. Right? I was born. I walked away from the Lord. I, didn't, I could care less. I didn't want God to have no influence on my life. I was not a child of God. I was created by God, but I was not a child of God. You understand the difference? And then I accepted Christ. And I became a child of God. I, be, I was transformed in that moment. But ever since then, every day, I have to make decisions. I have to choose daily, again and again and again, to commit this day to the Lord. That this day, I'm going to live for you, God. Otherwise, I can, I'll be out doing what I like. But every day is a conscious choice of mine to be generous. Of mine to follow him. Of mine to love my neighbor as myself. It's a choice of mine to submit to my wife, to honor her, to, to serve her. And I'll be honest, every day I don't choose that. But it's a choice that I make daily. It's a choice that you make daily. It has nothing to do with are you, are you a Christian? Are you going to heaven? It's a choice daily. Am I going to live as though I'm on my way to heaven? Romans 6.16 says it this way, and you realize that you've become a slave of whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which, lives, which leads to righteousness. It's your choice. But in this step, we're saying, I'm choosing to commit. I'm choosing to commit. All of my life. Everything. Everything. Even that thing that you live for today. Like your children, your spouse, your home, your retirement. Choosing to commit everything I have, everything I will ever have, to Christ's care and control. Not just the bad stuff. Like the bad stuff we wanted to hit. Lord, take that, right? We say that all the time. Take the pain, Lord. I want to be healed, Lord. Please remove that from me. We want to commit the pain, the, the hurtful things, the, the difficulties. We want to give those to the Lord all the time, right? People going to surgery, they're like, pray for me. Yeah, amen. We'll pray. Right? That's an easy one. But even the good stuff, even the good stuff, all of my life, even the good things, my work, which I love, I need to give it to God. My family, who I love, I need to give it to God. Right? My hobbies, which, oh, my Lord, I love. I need to give those to the Lord. Everything. Because if I don't give God everything, then those things that God doesn't get become a priority in my life. They become idols. They become gods. My free time. Well, you know, I'd, I'd go to church, but I just don't. This, it's a beautiful weekend. I think we're going to go fishing instead, right? Like that becomes an idol to me because it takes priority over my relationship with God. Anything that I put before him that I don't give him control over becomes an idol by definition. This part gets at our attempt to be God, you see. Because God says it's all about me or it's not. One or the other. And we want to wrestle with that. We really struggle with that. 
We were talking in our small group this past week. Uh, if you're not part of one, still get in one. Start one on your own. We were talking in our this week. One of the questions was, how do you understand God? How do you define God, right? And we were talking about how our culture doesn't have a problem with God. Nobody has a problem with God, but we just don't like talking about Him. Because, because, because your idea of God and my idea of God are probably two different things. And so when we start talking about God, it creates problem, tension. Right? Because somebody's going to come, up, come in the room with a biblical understanding of God, and it's going to make the God that I have in my head come into question. Right? The God that, that I have built, the one that I've established, the one that I like to worship, that I like to worship, you hear me? It's going to come in conflict with the one of the Bible, and I don't want to go there. I don't want to be left with that. Luke, Jesus said it this way. You cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Without giving up everything you own. They say, well, he was talking to a rich man. That was a parable preacher. Okay. Okay. So what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? What is it you're afraid to give up? Anything but... Well, you fill in the blank. Turn over everything to God's, to Christ's care and control because He loves me. I can, give him every, I can give Him everything because He loves me more than my wife. He loves me more than my daughter. He loves me, and it was Daughter's Day and Son's Day. Never knew that. Like, like, like who, who created, that's a side, that's a tangent. I don't know. <laughs> never, never mind. My brain went there and I was going to run with it. God loves me more than anyone else. So I can commit everything to his care and control because he wants the best for me. He wants better for me, get this, than my wife. He wants better for me than you all do. Because she's selfish. You're selfish. Right? You're going to see me through your own lens, and she does too. And so it's a struggle with that for her to relinquish her idea of what I ought to be. So I submit myself, my, to Christ. And as we both submit to Christ, as husband and wife, then we're living in the zone. That's when we're in the zone together because we're both living for the same thing. Letting God's have the reins of your life. We sometimes use the language of I'm going to invite God into my life. I just want to say that we need to break that. We don't invite God in. I think a healthier way of understanding it is actually God is inviting us in. He's inviting us into a relationship. Now, now, picture this now. You're out in the front yard, and it's much cooler out there, but you're out in the front yard, God's front yard. You're playing, and you're having fun. There's beautiful trees, and the breeze is blowing, and you're much cooler than you are right now. And you feel like, I could stay out here forever. And you could, enjoying the blessings of God's creation. Some of you, though, know it's, it's actually better on the porch. Right? So you're going to get closer to the house. You're going to come up on the porch where there's a nice rocking chair and you can put your feet up and there's a big glass of sweet tea, maybe some lemonade up there as well. You can cool off and be refreshed on God's porch. But even on the porch, you're out of the rain, you're out of the storms, you're out of the, where the ants and the bugs are, you're, you're up on the porch, but you're still not in the house. He's invited you in, but you've decided, you know, porch is good enough. Porch is good. And you're right, the porch, God's porch is fantastic. But so much better to come inside and see all that he has in store for you. God is inviting us in today, this day. And it's about choosing to enter in where we find rest for our souls. 
where we find rest for our souls. That's what it says in Matthew. I say it does. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and there you will find rest for your souls. That's his invitation to us to come in. To come in. One of my favorite verses in Scripture is John 10.10. The message translation where it says, A thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, Jesus said, so they can have real and eternal life. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. This is what he invites us to. That he wants to give us real life. A great life. A full life. As a gift. And the choice is ours. Consciously choose to commit all of my life and will to Christ's care and control. I'm going to pray in a moment, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to make that commitment today. doesn't matter if you've made it a hundred times, that we consciously choose again and again and again to, make, to give Him authority in our life. We choose that every day. Today's no different. For some of you, it might be your first time to make that commitment. For others, it may be your 574th. I don't know. doesn't matter. We're choosing to commit. There's a picture, uh, Leonard Sweet, who's a writer these days, he had, I believe it's him, it may be C.S. Lewis, I'm not sure, but they both have this, uh, give this picture of kids playing in the dirt, playing in the dirt, making mud pies, right? I don't know if you've heard the story or not, making mud pies in the dirt. And they think that is the greatest thing in the world. I know when I was a kid, I grew up on a farm. I remember many days it would rain, it would rain and rain. And the, our farm was on, it was like clay. It was like blue clay. I don't know if you've ever seen dirt that was blue. And when it dried, when it would dry, it would get cracks in it, you know, like four or five inches wide, the ground would crack. It was just super dry. But when it rained, man, that stuff would hold water. And you, would, you, could, make, you could get on the hillside and you could make it so slick. Because it was, I mean, it was, we had water slides where we wanted them, right? We could put them anywhere. And so us boys, there was a bunch of my cousins, we were all boys. And so we would strip down naked and we would be out there having the time of our life. Sliding down that creek bank, naked in the mud. Well, we don't want to get our clothes messed up. We get in trouble for that. So we just... <laughs> I remember thinking, my gra- our grandmother got onto it and we got in trouble. And I remember telling her, Granny, this is the best thing in the world. <laughs> playing in the dirt. Playing in the mud. I think a lot of times that's how we see our lives. Outside of under God's authority. We're just, at the best, we're just playing in the dirt. When he has a kingdom in store for you. I just ask you today, don't settle for the, the mudslide. As fun as it is, as great as life can be, outside of a relationship with God, I promise you that he has more and better in store for you. I just want to pray for you. Uh, We're not going to sing anymore today. We're going to, after our our prayer, we're going to have a benediction, and then we're uh, we're going to go eat. We're going to eat in the cafeteria. Somebody can tell me, point me, where is it? I've been there, but I don't remember where. It's down this way and turn right, okay? (laughs) Down the hall and turn right. Uh, I just want to say thank you for coming. Uh, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for giving us a choice. Giving us a choice to consciously commit ourselves to you. Lord, there are some here today who are for the first time making that commitment.
They've, they've been on your porch for a long... They've been experiencing the blessings of God. They've, they've, they've known you for a long time, Lord, but they've never committed themselves to you. There's some here today who've been trying to fix their problems for a long time and they've never given you the authority to, to deal with their stuff. So today, Lord, we surrender everything to you, the good, the bad. We ask you, God, that you'd begin to work in us, that you would transform us. God, we don't want to settle with playing on the mudslide. As fun as that is, as great as life can be in this world that you've created, Lord, we want to live, we, we know that you have a better life for us. So Lord, receive us. Welcome us home. We love you. We praise you. If this is your first time praying to something like this or even thinking these thoughts, you can just pray a simple prayer of surrender to God. Actually, I'm going to ask us all to pray. If you join me in praying. Lord God, come on, y'all. Join me out loud. Nobody should pray alone. Lord God, I love you. Thank you for saving me. I give you my life. Use me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. I love you. Welcome to the family. If you prayed that for the first time today, welcome to the family. As you look around the room, you may say, oh my, what did I just get myself into? But I promise you, he has something better in store for you. Amen? Amen. 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 I ask you now, we're going to pray for our community. Uh, we do this every time we gather.